Hi, I'm Alex. And I'm Cassie. And we are The, the Thrifty, Thrifty Couple, Couple from thethriftycouple.com. And we are the new authors of the new book, The 2% Rule to Get Debt Free Fast in the Company and Workbook. And you can find The 2% Rule to Get Debt Free Fast book on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and wherever books are sold. And you can find the accompanying workbook on Amazon.com as well as on our website at thethriftycouple.com. All right. Well, this next topic, I just want to go ahead and just jump right into it because it's a topic that we've been getting this question on for years. Uh, in fact, I would say it's probably one of the top questions that were asked from our readers. Uh, and it starts off like this. Hi, I'm so-and-so. Mm-hmm. And I really have an idea and want a desire to be able to start paying off our debt. But the problem is I'm having a hard time getting my spouse on board. Mm-hmm. Can you share with me any tips? Yes. So, I, you know, this episode, we want to address five tips to be able to help you to start having that conversation. Well, and the reason why this is such an important topic and one that's asked a lot is because once you start going down the path of trying to change your finances or getting out of debt, um, if you have a spouse that is not on board and is not supportive, I mean, they don't even necessarily have to be not supportive, but just not committed Um, your efforts are going to be in vain and you're going to spin your wells and you're going to get really, really frustrated because it isn't something you could accomplish on your own. Well, we share in our book um, a story that is very abnormal. Uh, It was right after we found our why. We were in over $108,000 of consumer debt. Uh, We found out one Mother's Day that we were expecting and we we really shared a story that was our story that we we met together, we were going to have dinner, and we both blurted out pretty much at the same time that we needed to, to do something about our finances. Yeah. Now, that's not a normal story. Usually, the story happens like what happened with us a couple years earlier, where you came to me and you wanted to, you saw that we had a problem, and you wanted to, you know, find out if there was any way that we could start paying off our debt. Right. And what did I say to you? You you were not thrilled with the idea because <laughs> that's that's an understatement. Yeah, because you you knew that there was going to like from everything you knew about paying off debt from other people and right. from what you had heard just in the popular um, ways of doing so that it was a earth shattering, life changing experience and that we had to give up pretty much everything that we enjoyed to be able to do so and that was not something that you wanted to do you. You know, and quite frankly, I didn't want to either, um, but I was definitely somebody that, you know, was trying to motivate us to get that debt paid off. You know, that's a really great point is so often we forget that, um, you know, you've been living at that lifestyle for this long. You've been enjoying going out, maybe going out to eat, maybe purchasing those items, you know, doing certain things that you all of a sudden have this idea what you're telling me that we're going to have to stop everything. Our life is going to end that, you know, it's like the REM song, you know, I'm not going to sing it, but it's the end (laughs) of the world as we know it. And I don't feel fine about this. In fact, not only do I not feel fine, but I'm going to push back as hard as I can because I don't want to change. Right. 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 And it's understandable. I mean, it's like we talk about with the crash diet approach, you know, it's difficult, like in dieting or if you're trying to quit smoking, doing anything, quote unquote, cold turkey is hard and not pleasant. And very rarely does anybody willingly, you know, 
without kicking and screaming, say, I want to do this, you know? And so it's a, it's a difficult subject because the, it, there's two involved. Um, if you're married, there's two involved. There's two involved in getting into the debt and there's two involved in getting out of the debt. And I guess I say there's two involved in getting into the debt, but that might not always be the case because we've actually met a number of couples who got married and one of them brought all this debt into the marriage. Exactly. But once you're married, it's the debt that you have together and you need to get rid of it. <laughs> it's your debt. Right? It's your debt. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. When you marry the person, you marry their debt. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get started. Um, you know, there's five things that I think that we can talk about tonight. Um, that is, sorry, I guess whenever you're listening to this, whether it be tonight or this morning, um, <laughs> we just happen to be tonight right now, but five things that we can do or a spouse can do to start that conversation yeah. and start that communication between the spouses. Yeah. So I want to just say something before we start getting into the five points. Okay. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with the attitude of the spouse that wants to see you know, the two of you become debt free that mm. wants to see those financial changes. Um, I know this like even in our own lives, as well as in talking with many other couples about debt and about the issue of finances um, and your attitude and your approach, your emotional and mental approach and your emotional and mental state in talking to your spouse about money and debt is going to be a major player in how successful dealing with your spouse on this topic becomes. Um, and so what I mean by that, and we've actually talked about this with teenagers too. It works with teenagers too. And in fact, we probably should have another podcast talking about everybody <laughs> else in the family too. That's right. <laughs> but, um, and that is you approaching, no matter what method you decide to use that we're going to go through, you approaching your spouse with love, humility, grace and kindness, not coming accusatory, not coming bitter and angry that you think that they got us, that, that, you know, that spouse got you into all this debt. Um, not coming, you know, with an, I told you so attitude, but rather approaching your spouse as graciously as possible. And that's really hard to do, especially if you feel like you're the responsible one in the marriage, or if you feel like the majority of the debt hasn't been your fault. It's very difficult to come to your spouse with that type of humble, gracious attitude. But it is essential to be able to open up the door to communication. It's essential to be able to get your spouse on board at the end of the day. You know, you need to not immediately come out with guns ablazing and be attacking on the attack. Um, and even maybe to the point where you point out your faults in the financial situation and apologizing to your spouse for not being as responsible as you could have been or being, you know, materialistic as you shouldn't have been. Whatever you think that those issues are that you contributed to that, finding those and addressing your own issues first. You know, I really love that a lot because this isn't just good financial advice, but this is very good marriage advice too mm. as, as well. It's great relationship advice. Sure. Whatever relationship you're talking about, because we've learned this, you know, both of us, mm. um, because we both had different things we've needed to address. Sure. <clears throat> and you're right. When you, when someone comes to you and says, this is where you're wrong. This is what you've been doing. Look at what you did. You know, <laughs> yeah. no, that that instant defensive attitude comes out. Right. No matter what's going on. Right. But when you come to your spouse and you say, you know what? We have, I, I really feel like we have a problem. 
you know, I know that I haven't been, you know, doing certain things or I haven't been as successful as I'd like in these areas. It really just helps bring them in that discussion, right? Right, right. And then that, and approaching your you're approaching your spouse and saying, so this is, you know, what I feel about it. This is what's happened. But how can we work on this together? I want to do this together with you. Right. All right. Well, let's go ahead then. And using that attitude, um, let's go ahead and jump in and work through these five, five, five tips you can use. Now, the first one, uh, may you may say, oh, great. This one sounds so common sense. But so often there are so many things that very much are common sense. Sure. But the first thing we'd recommend is just to start talking about it. Right. Now, this may not... You know, I'm not saying just sit down at the table when someone's rushing uh, to the next <laughs> event, but you know, Drop even it a bombshell. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, set aside some time, maybe a date night, maybe a time that you, the two of you can have dinner together, uh, whether going out to eat or maybe eating at home because you're trying to be more responsible, um, whatever it might be, but setting aside time and, and making that, you know, and just starting the discussion. Yeah. And I, and I think that, that sounds like it could be so incredibly simple and easy, but if you've read our book and you know our story, that was a major problem for us. We communicated about everything except money, and to just start having that conversation took us a long time to get to that point to realize that we just needed to start having that conversation. And then once we actually started having that conversation, it was amazing to find out that both of us had the same thoughts and feelings, but for the first few years of our marriage, we didn't express that to each other. And there were a number of reasons why we didn't. We go through our through those reasons in our book about the reasons we didn't. Right. But you think, well, of course, just start. That's like, duh. But it's actually, it could be harder for some than, you, than it seems at face value. And so often, you know, we didn't talk about it because we just didn't. Mm -hmm. But once that conversation started... As you said, it just became a part of everyday discussion. Right. Exactly. And it is today. All right. So let's go ahead and move into the second tip. Uh, you know, and I think that this can kind of, you know, feed into, uh, you know, whichever way you want to go, whether start off, just start talking about it or another approach or is to say, you know, ask your spouse, can we sit down and we review the bills and the budget together. Yes. And sometimes that act alone, and from our experience and talking with other couples, um, can do the trick to get your spouse on board. Because very often, you know, we meet couples where it's primarily one spouse that handles all the bills and money. And so one of the things that we actually recommend in our book and with working with couples is that both spouses need to be involved. It doesn't mean that the one that writes the checks or that, you know, pays the online bills can't still do that. But in some aspect, whatever aspect that is, whether it be the other spouse just checking in for the first five minutes for an overview or whatever, but both spouses continuously being involved with the bills. Um, and so that very first time that you do that, sometimes that other spouse is going, wait, wait, what, what's happening here? <laughs> Not <laughs> right? realizing it. You know, and you might have said it to them multiple times. And that's going to be that temptation to be like, I've been trying to tell you. But, you know, resisting that temptation to throw it back at them, but rather saying, yeah, so let's do something about this. You know, we mentioned in our book, we mentioned in other places on our site, just the idea of knowing yes. what you're spending can make all the, all difference, the difference in the world. Right. And so when you sit down, you may have one spouse, as you said, that is paying the bills, paying the, you know, keeping the checkbook, 
hopefully you're keeping the checkbook. I know that in our past, that was a problem, right? Sure. When we weren't keeping track of the checkbook, you know, we had no idea what we were spending in those early years of of our marriage. Out of mind, right? Exactly. (laughs) And so, uh, in fact, I I remember talking to a gal, uh, you know, probably about 15 years ago that she said, well, we always just make sure, and they had a lot of money to throw at it, but she says, we have no idea what we're spending. We just keep adding more and more money to our checking account, and we just make sure it doesn't get under a certain point. Mm -hmm. But once you have that understanding of what you're spending and on what, then that can help you sit back and say, I can't believe we just spent this much money on groceries this month. Right. I can't believe we just spent $800 eating out this month alone. Right. And those are re- very real discussions we've had with other families, right? Right. And and so once you sit down and, and get your spouse to sit down with you and start seeing, here's how much we're spending on these different categories, you know, that can really help that spouse to start opening up their eyes and realize that there really is a spending problem in the family. Mm-hmm. And sometimes for some spouses, that's all that it takes is having that knowledge. Knowledge is power. I don't know who said it. I wrote it somewhere, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you just said it. So I therefore, it. Yeah. <laughs> Cassie says knowledge but, is power. But it's true. Knowledge is power. And so all of a sudden that can, that can be the turning point for many spouses. All right. So, so we looked at, just start talking about it. Sitting down to get the second one, asking if you can sit down, review the bills and the budget together. The third thing we'd mentioned is this, using a gradual approach, especially in this podcast, we're talking about paying off debt, uh, but whatever it happens to be, using a gradual approach to be able to pay off your debt. You mean like the 2% rule? Like the 2% rule. <laughs> exactly. That's a great place to start. Yes, yes. Obviously, we love the 2% rule because that's what um, helped us to finally reach our financial goals of paying off that 108K of consumer debt with success. And we use the 2% rule today in everything that we do. Um, And so, but why don't you explain why a gradual approach is going to help get your spouse on board? Okay. You know, you may have heard us say this before, but we always have, we've really struggled ourselves with the idea of the crash diet approach to anything, right? right? When it comes to your diet, what, when someone goes out there, they're going to try to cut out one huge food group. They're going to cut back all their calories. They're going to try to eat almost nothing with the idea that you're going to have huge weight loss, right? Sure. But what does it say whenever you're watching that commercial that what's it say in the, the disclaimer in the bottom? It says... Results not typical. Exactly. And for those that can find success, what happens after that? They usually... Many of them gain all the weight back and sometimes more. And sometimes more. So, yes. you know, when it comes to the idea of using the crash diet approach for your budget, where you take that budget and you try to slash it by 70 to 80%, all of a sudden you're now... Just drastically changing your lifestyle. It's not fun. It's not so fun. It's hard to stick with it. And very often, it's not very feasible either. Yeah. So you've just essentially just dropped every all your spending, and the same kind of thing. Results are not typical. We know some families that they've been able to go through and been been able to cut, but we also know some of those same families that once they paid off their debt, they were they went back to their old lifestyle. And what did they do? They started to get right back into debt. Get right back into debt. Yes. Exactly. So, you know, the idea of that crash diet approach is one that's not very fun and it's not sustainable either. And it's not likely going to be popular with a reluctant spouse. Exactly. So this is what happened to us at one time. Uh, This is 
a couple, a few years before we actually started the actual real debt payoff. You, uh, you came to me and we, we tried that crash diet approach, right? Yeah. And, and I didn't want to do that though, because this is where that, you know, that concept or that idea that I was going to have to change everything, lose my whole lifestyle, everything. Mm -hmm. And I totally resisted that. Yeah. And you, you did totally resist it, even though at the same time, while you were resisting, we did give it um, an effort. We did give it an honest effort, even with your pushback and even with your reluctancy. Um, and, but it made it all that much more difficult to accomplish that crash diet approach. And it just is, it's not sustainable. And so if you can go to your spouse and instead say, we're just going to make small tweaks and you come together as a couple and decide where you can make those tweaks. Like maybe you sit down and your spouse, you know, has gone through the bills and recognized that they've spent, you know, a couple hundred dollars on eating lunches out for work. If they cut back two or three of those per month, this first month, um, and took in leftovers or a sandwich from home or something, you know, that's all that's needed. You know, you're not saying stop going out to eat at lunch. You know, you're not saying that from the get go. You just, you're tweaking your budget a little bit. And the two of you are deciding together where you're going to make those tweaks. And so you're not like saying you're going to stop going out to eat. You're going to stop doing this. You're going to stop doing that. You don't have to do that. Um, and then you can see better success while also building that trust and that relationship with each other. So this is where, you know, so let's go back to our tips. You know, we go to our spouse, we say, you know, we, I feel like we have a problem. Let's sit down together. Let's walk through it together. You know, get the other spouse on board and then say, you know, I know this plan that we can use and try. Let's just give it a shot where we can just make small changes. Yes. And those small changes can result in huge transformation. Right. And if I you know don't that. believe us, read the book. Exactly. <laughs> and, yes. and so now all of a sudden you have a spouse that's disarmed. They're not so defensive. Mm -hmm. They see that there's a real problem. And they see that the solution is not something that's going to be mind-blowing and it's going to totally just totally ruin their life because then very much very often that's how that's, a lot of spouses act. that's how they yeah. act right and yeah. that's because that's what they're thinking right and so you know using and encouraging a gradual approach to be able to pay off that debt yeah so, yeah all right so let's move on to number four then so we encourage something when a, when spouses are coming together using something we like to refer to as a spouse questionnaire yes so can, maybe, can you maybe explain that to, for us? Yeah. So what we have found a lot of times with um, spouses that we've worked with to open up those lines of communication is for each of them to fill out a financial questionnaire separately from one another. And it asks questions like, you know, why do you want to get out? Of, do you want to get out of debt? Why do you want to get out of debt? It also asks, what are your top five financial priorities what are some of your goals? What are some things that you cannot absolutely live without? You know, just going through a whole bunch of questions in that regard. And what we encourage spouses to do, fill the question out, questionnaire out separately. And then make a, an intentional time in which the two of you will come together. Or, but before we do that, I'm sorry, I'm jumping ahead of myself. After you fill out the questionnaire, you exchange the questionnaire to read them separately from one another, just so you can get rid of maybe some of those initial emotions that could hurt your other 
your spouse um, and to get rid of some of those things and to take care of your emotions apart from each other before you come together. And then you set an intentional time in which you sit down together and discuss them. And then there's a follow-up questionnaire that basically brings the questions from both into one questionnaire that allows you to have a plan and to find the common ground that you guys have financially and to work through those things that you have the common ground on to help meet your goals. You know, I love this so much because, you know, when you think of a marriage, we're not talking here about one person that's dictating to the other, this is how it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. We're not saying that one person is going to say, you know, we are going to live this way. This is going to be our budget. I've set this budget. We're going to stick to it. Right. But instead, the two of you are coming together. You're putting down, this is what our values are. This is what my long-term dreams and my goals are. And you're not discrediting, you know, if if the spouse has something that really is a dream of theirs, you're not immediately, you know, poo-pooing it and mocking it or whatever. But especially that's why that exchange and reading separately beforehand allows you to get that out of your head beforehand too. Um, But that you can really try to understand your spouse. You know, this is going to sound so stupid, but it's, you know, it's something I think we need reminders of. So often we're with our spouses and we just take each other for granted, yeah, right? Yeah. But we need to look at our spouses as this is the man or the woman that I love, that I married because, you know, I, I value who they are. Yeah. I value their perspective. I value what makes them them. Yes. And so as you come together, my encouragement would be not to look at this as I, that idea is terrible, <laughs> yeah. you know, but to think, you know, this is something that they value. This, this is, is something yeah. that means a lot this, to them. This is part of their makeup. Right. Yeah. And so when you come together, you know, this may be something, you know, there may be an idea on there that's a non-negotiable. Sure. But because you love your spouse, you you'll, say, okay, let's try to figure, figure out, out what can we do yeah. to work together to make this happen. Right. And all of a sudden you have the two of you working together as one team. Mm-hmm. Now, one spouse may value some one thing and another spouse values something else, but you come together, you talk through it, you communicate, and you find ways to be able to compromise and be able to make things happen, right? Well, and even on the flip side and things that we've seen happen too is spouses have come together realizing that they had very much a same common goal in a lot of things, <laughs> right? but they didn't realize that right? Um, without having the, these questionnaires and these discussions. They didn't realize just how united they were on things too. So it can work the opposite way where... You know, you might go into it thinking you're not united, but you come out and on paper, you really are united. Um, and so it, there's a lot of major benefits, both financially as well as relationally. Exactly. And before we get to the last tip, okay. uh, you know, I wanted to mention if you go out to our show notes at the thriftycouple.com slash 008 and actually any of our show notes now, but you can find a place where you can sign up to be added to our newsletter for the podcast and receive emails when our new episode drops. And we also share resources. So if you are a member of, uh, if you go over and sign up for this newsletter, uh, in a couple of days, we'll send you a, uh, a couple of days after you sign up, we'll send you a copy of the spouse questionnaire that we've talked about here. So you can have a place to start talking to your own spouse as well. Yeah, I love that. All right, so let's get to the last tip. So... You know, we've talked about just start talking about it, uh, working through reviewing the bills and the budget together, using that gradual approach and finding a gradual approach to be able to help disarm your spouse, as well as using that spouse questionnaire. The last thing we recommend is setting up a regular time 
that you will find to meet with your spouse and keep, you know, keep each other accountable for yes. what your goals are, right? Yes. Yes. Having that regular meeting. And like we've said to many people before, it doesn't need to be, you know, an extensive meeting by any stretch of the imagination, even a five minute financial meeting and being intentional about setting that time being intentional about having the meeting and knowing and making that time a safe place for the two of you to discuss finances without it, you know, becoming a fight. But instead, it's a safe place for you to share your thoughts, what's working, what's not, what you want to do, you know, those kinds of things and having that meeting. You know, and some pl- sometimes this can be a great time for, um, you know, for you to sit down and to actually review the checkbook and, and find out what have we been spending on. Sure. Other times can just be an overall discussion. Right. You know, it doesn't have to have a very set agenda, but ju- it does have to be a very set regular time. Right. And it's just at time where you talk money. Yes. Okay. Well, I, I hope that that gives you, uh, you a few more tips on how to get your spouse on board with your finances. Uh, so let's, let, let's go ahead and transition over to our 2% tip. Well, if you've been listening to us for a while, you'll find out that this next segment is called the 2% tip in which we share uh, how to increase your income by 2% or how to decrease your budget by 2%. And if you don't know what we're talking about, we encourage you to go check out our book, The 2% Rule to Get Debt-Free Fast, where we talk about how using these small incremental changes can result in huge changes in your life. So what are we going to talk about today, Cass? So we're going to talk about water. (laughs) Water. Water. You yes. can't save money with water. I know it doesn't seem like you can, and in fact, we have a whole section of our book talking about ways to drop the um, budget in the area of utilities. And at first glance, you're like, or so. First are thought, you telling me I shouldn't take showers? That's the tip. Yeah. <laughs> you, all you do is shower once a week, and then you reduce your your um, water bill by a huge chunk by showering once a week. That's the tip. Okay, well, just because that works for you doesn't mean it has to work for me. (laughs) It doesn't work for me. It does not. I cannot stand not being clean. But no, I I feel that you're going to share with us some real actual tips. Yes, yes. Um, And so when we talk about the utilities, yes, you can't negotiate your bill. You can't, you know, not use water. You can't not, you know, use your other utilities. But there are ways of stretching it and being wiser with it. And so we're just going to go through a few tips regarding water. Before we do, um, many people have no idea how much water costs them per gallon. Um, We use it in some sense so mindlessly. We've used it since the day we were born that it's not really something we've ever intentionally thought about. But a gallon of water usage at home is one cent on average across the country. I was going to say, in some places, it's going to be a lot more. And other places, it might be a little bit less, right? Yes, yes. So on average, the average number is a penny a gallon. You're like, ah penny a gallon, that's nothing, right? (laughs) Well, it can add up pretty quick, especially with the average use of water per person per day. Do you know how much? Well, I was going to say, so I'm going to guess, well, I I already know the answer. I know you know the answer. But, you know, you would normally think maybe 30 to 50 gallons per day per person, right? Sure. What is it? Well, it's 100 gallons per person per day. Yes. The average person uses 100 gallons of water per day, anywhere from hand washing, showering, cooking, um, flushing the toilets, 
just the average person, it averages out to be 100, 100 gallons of water per person per day. Now, that is just truly astounding to me because I just can't imagine using 100 gallons per day. But that it adds up. It, it does it's add up. It's just like the, you know, the 2% rule in the opposite way. Cutting those back, it all adds up. Or those, you know, going out and getting those dollar candy bars or dollar drinks, it all adds up, right? So at 100 gallons a day, that's a dollar per person per day. So if you are a family of five, that's about $5 per day. Now, obviously, kids are going to use less well but this is the average so they're they're already averaging you know anywhere from the little ones to the adults so the average person or the average household of five is spending five dollars a day in water okay so real fast before we go on we we spoke about a hundred gallons per day per person yes do you know how many liters that is per person i don't know okay fill me in (laughs) 300 and whoa 379 liters Per day, per person. Wow. So that's a lot. It is a lot. And at a dollar a gallon, you know, that adds up pretty quick. So let's talk about ways of cutting that back. And I'm going to give you a few water tips for the two of us collectively. I always like to dominate the conversation. So I'll try to share. You really do. I know We said earlier that one spouse shouldn't dominate everything, right? (laughs) Except in the area of just talking, I guess, right? Okay. Okay. (laughs) So I will share the tips. You know, I'm just going to say this one more time. Just so everyone knows what 100 gallons per day looks like. We mentioned how many liters per day. So that would be like having 190 two-liter bottles in front of you. Wow. And that's the amount of water you use per day, per person. Wow. I mean, that just right there, that's astounding to me. It is really astounding. Most of it, obviously, is taken up in the shower. Um, and, or, and washing your hands, okay. but that's really astounding. So, okay, let's go through some quick tips here. Um, the first one is to set your water heater at 120 degrees. Surprisingly, many households have their water heater set too high, That what's happening is they're having to keep standing water hot. Um, and so they, the EPA actually says that the average household weighs $60 a year heating, um, standing water. So if you can reduce your um, water heater down to 120 degrees, then that will help with that problem, saving you about $60 a year or $5 a month. Wow. Okay. All right. So I'll let you go ahead and do uh, the next one here. So are you talking about the low flow uh, yes. faucets? Yes. If okay. you can read my handwriting, right? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. So, well, I might just let you talk about this, but, you know, you can actually install low flow faucet aerators in your faucets. Yes. And, you know, we mentioned in our book that they cost 2 to $3. So I, that's so for often, a sink and for the showers okay. are about $5. Yeah. Okay. So often you think that, you know, we're talking about a $100 investment right, or something like that, right. but you're talking about a very small investment, right? Mm-hmm. And so... That right there can reduce, I guess, for most households, 40% of the water used in your homes. Right. That's just astounding. So, right. you know, if you're if you're cutting that down, so you're saying a penny per gallon uh-huh. times, you know, 100 gallons per person, that's about a dollar per person, right. right? And so if you're saying that that's for five people in your home, sorry for doing the math, but I think it's good for us to break it down. Yes. We're talking $5 per day, Right. 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 If you are going to reduce 40% of your expense, we're saying that you are going to take away $2 per day 
that's a lot of money. That's because $60 we, a month. That's $60 a month. And that's kind of average of what we said a 2% cut by itself is going to be. Just tip. That's yes. right. And of course, a lot of modern um, construction and homes and or remodeled bathrooms, they will have installed like these low flow um, type of faucets, which is a great step too. And if you, But if you don't have that, just install these simple aerators and that'll help solve the problem. I still remember it was a couple of years ago we replaced a faucet in our bathroom and it was a low flow faucet mm-hmm. and we were just shocked when we turned it on because it seems like there's so much water coming out of it right it's we said this can't be a low flow faucet mm-hmm. but it's just the way that the water was pouring out was different yeah, and it, it made was a us, different des- distribution of water yeah it just yeah. made us feel like there was, was like so much flat, more water it's a flat faucet instead of a round exactly. nozzle they had they had the water coming out flat it was really it's actually really cool looking it looks like a waterfall exactly <laughs> <laughs> everybody always comments they're like oh you have a pretty waterfall in your bathroom i'm like it's a low flow faucet and it's <laughs> saving us money right exactly okay the other one we don't think about very much but it happens all the time leaks Faucet leaks. The average one faucet leaking um, takes up 20 gallons a day. 20 gallons a day in drips. Wow. Um, And that is um, 20 cents a day. Just from one faucet, wasting 20 cents a day, which is $6 a month from one leaking faucet. Fixing a leaking faucet is super simple to do. If you don't know how to do it, YouTube is a huge help. Just take two to three minutes, fix the leaking faucet, save $6 a month per faucet. You know, I really love that tip. I mean, YouTube answers everything. It tells you <laughs> it how to change everything. your faucet. We use YouTube all the time. Exactly. For our how-to guide. All right. The last one is to convert your toilet to a low flush toilet. And this is kind of a funny, weird one. But what you can do it is... It sounds really scary at first, right? <laughs> it does sound. Like making a conversion, a toilet conversion. I mean, that <laughs> sounds like it's going to be quite a drudge. But all you have to do is grab three to four one liter water bottles and put sand um, about a third of the way up, even halfway up the water bottle to keep them standing upright. And you place them inside of the tank of your toilet. So you're not saying to take the toilet off, buy a two or $300 <laughs> toilet and right. change it out. You're saying actually do something small like this. Right. Get, you know, those cheap water bottles for 15 cents or whatever with the water filled in them, drink them down, and then put sand in them, stick them in that toilet tank. Um, And according to Rodale's Organic Life, this hack saves a half a gallon of water each flush, which is a half a cent. Doesn't sound like much, but the average person flushes the toilet five times a day. Okay. So uh, the average household being five people, you save 12 to 15 cents per day with this one trick, which ends up being 450 a month. So I know well, it doesn't sound like much, but you start, you change your water heater to 120 degrees. You fix leaking faucets. That takes you up to $11 in savings a month. Then you change the toilet to a low flow or uh, that's 450. And then plus your... Um, Changing the aerators, you've easily got $60, 70 $80 of monthly savings on water. Well, what I love about this, too, is you're doing things that are sustainable. Yes. That you just do it one time. Right. And you start saving not just that month, but every month thereafter. Right. And so you start saving and it builds up over time. And exactly. this is just one place in your home that you're able to do these little hacks that result in big savings. Exactly. So just imagine if we cover our water, then we'll, you know, we'll talk about so many things over the next 
you know, number of podcasts, right? Right. Over the next few years. And you add these all up together, you can save so much money. It's true. Very true. So. All right. All right. Okay. Well, I guess that brings us to the end of our podcast. Uh, as always, we want to remind you, you know, we enjoy the comments. We love the emails. We love the messages we get on Facebook. But we would request not only do that, but go out to iTunes Leave that favorable review. Share with share with them, you know, others how much of this has helped you and how much you appreciate it. And you know, we would love that too as well because that's what iTunes uses to get our podcast out in front of more people. And our goal has always been and always will be that we want to be able to show others and share with others to encourage them that there really is hope where there seems to be no hope, that there really is a light at the end of the tunnel when you don't think there is. And we know this because we've been there and we were able to dig ourselves out. So we want to help other families to be able to find that hope and be able to find that light as well. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks, Cass. I, this was an awesome podcast episode. Well, thank you. And uh, <laughs> Exactly. So, well, hey, everybody. Thank you as well for listening. And we will talk to you next time. All right. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.